Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. So COP28 concluded this week in Dubai. There was an announcement about a major agreement and the shift away from fossil fuels put in place. Uh, there was also an announcement by Pepsi, Savage and Astrolabs uh, to create a green accelerator for clean tech startups. And speaking of clean tech startups, there was one uh, 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 who announced pre-seed funding this week, a climate tech company uh, called Hyvego, H-Y-V-E-G-E-O, uh, an Emirati uh, clean climate tech company. Uh, in addition, uh, there's a Swiss company called Planted, a plant-based food uh, company is announcing their entry into the UAE market. Outside of clean tech environmental companies, uh, the, the deal that was announced before between Etisalat e and, uh, and Kareem uh, that concluded the Clean Technologies acquisition uh, for $400 million was completed and announced and in place. Uh, so that's also happening uh, in the UAE. And then there was an event this week, uh, many events across Dubai and UAE at the moment. One, there was a travel one uh, run by Skift that took place uh, where all the travel sector uh, were in attendance. Uh, this weekend, Love and Dubai had media partnerships with the first e-scooter race taking place in D3. Well worth checking out, it's free to go if you want to pop down there uh, tomorrow, Saturday. And then we're also media partners of Afroworld where Guna is, is performing in Coca-Cola Arena uh, and uh, popular performer, so expect a uh, big turnout for that as well. Uh, if you're at it, please do tag uh, Love in Dubai. Speaking of the other announcements, you'll find them all on our channels, um, on our uh, on our streaming service, uh, Smashy.tv and the apps, but also on Instagram and social media, Smashy Business, Smashy Green, uh, these channels. This was an interview we recorded a couple of weeks ago uh, around Dubai Active. It's all about uh, water brand that's uh, come up with pretty innovative technology to produce water. So please do enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. Today we have Jamie Douglas Hamilton. He's a 15-time Guinness World Record holder, the founder of Active Water, and a two-time Great British Entrepreneur of the Year Award. 15 times world record, we'll have to ask him about that. So today we'll be talking all about Active Water, uh, the business strategy, how, they've, uh, how they're entering into this region as well and plans for the future. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning, and <laughs> thanks so much for the introduction. No worries, <laughs> thanks for coming here. Yeah, so you're wearing the active T-shirt, you're clearly uh, pushing the brand in the region, so how's it all come about? So this all came about from a real-life experience. I wasn't in the water industry before this happened. This came from when we did a row from Australia to Africa, and that was 5,000 miles across the Indian Ocean, and that was unsupported. Um, so that was around two hours on, two hours off, 12 hours a day uh, in all weather conditions. We actually got hit by a hurricane where we had to go see anchor. Uh, but apart from that, we were rowing even in a force 10. We ended up upside down twice, about 2,000 miles from shore during that time. But we were, there was a huge physical demand on your body at that time. You're burning 10,000 calories a day. You're drinking 10 to 13 litres of water every day. And we started to flush the salt out of our system. And we were drinking water through a desalinator. And pure water, uh, contrary to people's belief, isn't actually that good for you. Um, it's hungry water, so water wants to have a certain amount of mineral content in, in it. Mm. And so we were, had very few electrolytes. We were passing out in the oars. We were hallucinating. And the only way we got through this was actually by mixing, one person mixes seawater with desalinated water. 
and it brought his body back into balance. And he encouraged us all to try it, and we did. And straight away, we stopped dreaming about salty foods. We had power right up to the end of a two-hour session. Uh, even at night, the last 40 minutes were very hard. You had to power the right way through. Our speed increased by 15 to 20 miles a day, all because of how we hydrated. And you hear about healthy eating all the time. You don't hear about healthy drinking. Mm. And we broke the Gillespie record for the fastest row ever in Ocean and the longest row. And that's because of how we hydrated. So that's where the interest in, in what you can do with hydration came about. Incredible. Um, Just something technical there about what you explained, Jamie. So, you know, for, for the uninitiated, why don't people, why can't people drink salt water in the first place? So your kidneys can process 2% salt in solution. Seawater is 3.5% salt in solution. Uh, the sea out of Dubai is actually very, very, um, it's got a very high salt content, so 5.5% salt in solution. Mm. So your kidneys can't, can't process it. You dilute it down, and you, especially doing a lot of exercise, uh, to under 1% is a phenomenal sports drink. Mm. So what seawater is? Seawater is. Seawater is very alkaline. It's got great minerals, very similar to the, to, to, uh, to the consistency of your blood, actually, with the salt content in your blood. And, so. is, and is that what active water is? No, active water, the, the inspiration for active came from drinking seawater. Uh, and in Europe at the time, we just had spring water, mineral water, which are pretty much the same. Um, they're the same TDS content, they're the same pH content, and there's very little difference between them. And you had sparkling water. It was actually in Japan where I found ionised alkaline water. And that's where it, it was originally created in the 1960s by the Ministry of Health for people with Crohn's disease. Because it acts an anti-inflammatory in the gut. Uh, but it also stops the build-up of pepsin, which causes reflux, and it hydrates you faster. So it's a very, very different product to ordinary water. So our, what we do is we purify spring water, add alkaline minerals, that raise it to 8 pH of just above 8, and then we have 12 layers of titanium platinum plates, you electrically charge water, and it splits into positive and negative ions, acid alkaline. But we bottle active at 9.8, so it's by far the most alkaline water in the market. That's quite technical. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> kind of lost me there. No, but, so that's fascinating. Uh, can you explain a little bit about that in, in terms of some of that sounds like, you know, coming from a health department in Japan, it sounds a little bit like that it's, um, you know, medicinal or something. How, do you make, did it, how did it become a consumer product? So for a long time, it w wasn't a consumer product. It was for people that had illnesses, for example, uh, intestinal problems, uh, you know, very serious IBS or Crohn's disease. And they had these machines that you put into your house and each one costs about three or four thousand. They still exist today and they're called ionizers. And, uh, and it didn't really become a commercial product until America, until some brands did it in America. And now you've got 30 to 40 brands producing alkaline water and it's now a 3.8 billion category from and it started as nothing 20 years ago. Okay, wow. It's amazing how these categories kind of start and, and yeah, there yeah. must be a reason for them. So before we talk a little bit more about the category as well, uh, how, after, the, after the inspiration from that trip, and a little bit about that trip, what, what uh, gave you the idea to, to row from an, uh, an ocean crossing anyway, but to go from Australia to Africa? How did you pick that route? Uh, so a, a big part of the inspiration behind it was my granddad was the first man to fly over Mount Everest, and he was told it was impossible at the time. And he put an extra propeller onto a biplane, 
and uh, and he managed to take it. The air is so thin up there. Um, they went up and up and up, and then they went down about 2,000 feet in a matter of seconds uh, with with uh, with a cold air, and they always went into spin, and they they were pretty. You know, they, were, they had to make a decision if it was going, if they were going to go over Mount Everest or go to either side. And they only cleared Mount Everest by 20 feet. But the footage they took from that is what Sir Edmund Hillary used exactly 20 years later to then use a new route to go up Mount Everest, which is now known as the Hillary Step. Oh, wow. And, uh, and he was the first person up there. And so it's really trying to, you know, we, we grew up as kids uh, wishing there was, you know, we were in the age of exploration, we didn't realise that not everything had been done, and oceans are that last frontier. No one had done that road before. And we've done two since then, both of which are world firsts. We rode from Cape Horn, so the bottom of South America, to Antarctica, across the Drake Passage, first human-powered crossing ever for Drake Passage, first crossing of the Southern Ocean, and first road to Antarctica. And then last year we did another one to South Orkney Islands from Antarctica. Wow. It seems there's a reason why these are the first, because they're very dangerous, no? <laughs> like anything with Antarctica is kind of like, wow, be careful, no, right? Very much so, and especially the Drake Passage. So the only current in the world that's fully looped is the one around Antarctica. So there's no landmass to stop it. So once that fetch builds up, it just carries on going. It's the strongest, such a strong current. And we're going against the current. The current's moving you from west to east, and we're going from north to south. So just before we left, a Category 3 hurricane came through the Drake Passage, and a Hercules was on its way to Antarctica, and it took down the Hercules mid-flight, and it killed all 38 people on board. And What's we, Hercules? Uh, a Hercules plane. So okay. that's a four-propelled plane that takes tanks and armoured vehicles into war zones. You see, it will go to Iraq or Afghanistan. And it was that the power of that, those storms managed to take take uh, you know to, to, to sink, sink one of those crazy um and that didn't stop you no we were boarded by the chilean navy at gunpoint told to rewrite uh to, to reroute our position to go to Porter williams um and then they said there's no way the eyes of the world are on chile at the moment you're not going this is a suicide mission uh, if you go you'll definitely die and they had to look at the size of the boat. They thought we were up, utterly mad. Uh, but then we took two days to convince them that, that we could survive. It's like a lifeboat, and we've got everything covered. We won't be any problems to you. They then put an exclusion zone right in the centre of our route and said, if you go into the search area, uh, where you're, the whole expedition's over. And so it was... Just when you think it's hard enough getting through, it was even harder, you know, with, with the exclusion zone. And the, but it's a risk, no? Like, what, what made you continue that? You'd already done the, the, the big one to Africa, and then you, you were doing this. Like, why again? Oh, I, I think, I think the, 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 the greatest thing is going against, you know, nature and really challenging yourself. And unless you've got a real risk, you can die. You know, it's, it's a, an adventure. This is more into exploration. Mm. Uh, but if you do it, it's something you can always be proud of. And you hate every moment of it when you're doing it. I mean, not every moment, but, but 90% of it. Uh, I mean, you're utterly exhausted. The weight loss is huge. At the beginning, you're very seasick. Um, you know, towards the end, before we got to Antarctica, it was minus 20 wind chill factor. One of us had to be outside uh, on the deck uh, for an hour and a half at a time. And it was so, so cold. You can't move your fingers. And for two days and two nights before this happened, 
I couldn't, I couldn't feel the bottom of my foot. I knew something had really bad had happened. So I took off effectively a dry suit. And what happened is the thread on the back of my boots had cut through my neoprene, cut through my sock, cut through my skin tissue onto grating my bone. And, and, I had to, and I could, that's why I couldn't sleep for two days, two nights. So I took off my dry suit, put trainers on, and my toes froze. Um, I was very lucky. It was just frost nip. It didn't develop into frostbite. Uh, because otherwise it'd have to be amputated. Once it goes to frostbite, there's no coming back. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but you, there is coming back for you because you keep seeming to do it. But yeah, so, so let's, uh, you know, we could talk at length about the adventures and the crossings, but bring it back to the business side of yep. it and, and, and the, you know, the, the water. And so you're obviously still doing these adventures, these challenges, but at what point did you say, hey, uh, let's, come up with a business and how did you go about that so so that was after the first row and at the time it's very scary you know because there's so many unanswered questions and uh, it's a great saying um there's almost by someone saying people set up businesses are too stu- are too stupid to realize they'll fail so a lot of you know a lot of lawyers accountants will look at the risks and everything Whereas if you're not, you know, if you're an optimist, you will look at this and think you can actually do it without, without realising, um, the, the, you know, the, the, the risks, and you could get one step closer. I knew that people, that ionised alkaline water was a better product, and this would improve people's lives. If people had this, they, 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 you know, they would feel better. And our diets are so acidic in in the West. You know, coffee consumption's very high, alcohol consumption's very high, red meat consumption's high, sweeteners, and what is alkaline is vegetables and fruits. And then so I knew it was a better product, but no one could produce ionised alkaline water in the UK. So we had to build our own, uh, yeah, we had to build a hybrid. And so we worked with a co-packer to build our own clean room. I started off by raising 5,000 from friends, or 10,000, got up to 60,000. And that then helped us get to an investment-ready stage. So that helped us to choose brand name, to uh, do the branding, do all consumer testing, hire, do a feasibility study, um, and started. And then we hired our first employee, and and so that got us to that stage. The next stage was then getting big funding, um, which is very hard for a product that hasn't launched in a very risky category. The the riskiest category, people think, is tech. It's not. It's food and beverage. Hmm. There's more failures of food and beverage than any other um, category. But people will look at the winners, but there's very, very few winners out there. I think you've had, I think just in the UK, there's been over 2,000 energy drinks launched since Red Bull. Hmm. But in the market, you only really have six, hmm. even today. And they're all dominated by the big players. Wow. So it's, it shows you how risky risky it is. And that's... Yeah. And, and so, the, so the money side of it, so... The, the clean room, I guess that's, you had to do the, what you were describing there, did you end up doing the manufacturing yourself? Yeah, so you've got to play many hats when you're starting. Uh, you've got to raise the funding. Um, right back at the start, you've got to, you know, put everything, you know, you've got to be the accountant, you've got to upload everything into Xero. You've got to do the branding. You've got to do a huge amount of work um, at the start, but that's the kind of fun stage uh, before, <laughs> before it all starts. But you've also got to be an engineer. Um, so from not knowing about you know a manufacturing plant before, you have to learn everything and double check. Even though you're working with experts, you've got to make sure that everything is is, is checked. And we had to hire. The biggest thing is hiring, working with the best people. 
I think working good accountants, good lawyers, good advisors, um, and we hired you know people that had built the best ionisers in the world, and we spent slightly more to do that, but it put us in a very good position later on. And I think at the start, don't try to save costs. Try to get to an investment ready stage to raise bigger investment. And so, so describe then what that is. So you have an ionizer, you have a place where you can produce this finished product, and then you then you're able to go to market. You're able to sell it in the stores if you have distributors. Yeah. So we we, we used a spring water plant that was um, a medium sized com- company, and it was family based. So we knew we could trust them. We worked very well together. And we had to build everything from the water, the floors, um, and the walls to then make it completely concealed in, internally. Hundreds of meters of pipe work linked into theirs, linked into all their tanks, mineral injections, reverse osmosis, a semen system that meant that everything could be automated. So when one thing went, you know, when what, the RO tank was full, the ionizers would start, etc. Uh, we had about 64 valves. It was, it was very, very complicated. And then, uh, and, and making sure that, that this could pass your BRC uh, testing as well. So it Which was. Is? Um, so that's you, you, standard, you yeah, yeah it's, it's a standard. And so we got the highest standards you can, you can actually get. Okay. But all of this was hard in the food and beverage industry to raise significant funding before we'd even sold a product. And we managed to raise from the first 60,000. We then went out and raised 600,000 after that. And that was actually from a, cha- a chance encounter, uh, meeting someone in a nightclub in London, just as we were about to, the funds were about to run out. And as one of those nights where I didn't want to go out, I thought I'd you know, write emails. And said we went, to, we went to a place, met someone, um, our investor, Gareth Woods, who later on, um, you know, I spoke to him for about a minute at the bar. He loved the concept. That's why you've always got to know your investment pitch, (laughs) you know, because uh, he and I met up with dinner with him the following week, and within I think it was two and a half months later, he invested six hundred thousand. Wow! And that meant that we could really start to, yeah, push on from there. Push on from there. And Jamie, had you decided what your what what you were going to sell? Like, was it a bottle? Was it like what what was your whether they called SKUs or what was? Did you know what it looked like? Because we've had people on in the past who sometimes they create powders or they, or they have different types of uh, products. They have different types of delivery. Some are, uh, some are in cartons, some are in boxes. Like water can be distributed in many different ways. Did you decide who your target audience was and how you were going to sell the product? Yeah. So, so back at the start, this was before the David Attenborough documentary. And after that, there was a big anti-plastic um, a m- movement. Um, in actual fact, plastic isn't, you know, it's actually quite a green solution. Um, it's an inconvenient truth that people don't want to hear, but it loses, uses less CO2 to produce than any other packaging type. Glass uses the most, and it's phenomenally heavy. And so you, you, you lose far more, you know, far more energy to transport it as well. And, and, up, and, and PET is 100% recyclable. Um, so we were looking at the market, 97% of the market is in PET, so that, that's, that's plastic. Hmm. Um, and, and PET is a very high grade material, you know, it's not like other plastics, you can, you know, it's 100% recyclable. Um, so we, we decided to go ahead with that packaging. And with water, if it's water, people want to see what's, what, you know, it, it, that, that's water. That's why canned water, although it's growing slightly, it, it's still 
it's, it's, it takes up very small volumes. Yeah, and because it's not transparent, they can't see the, the liquid. Exactly. And, and it's what are you trying to hide? And when they drink it, they actually th- are expecting, um, they're expecting to get a, you know, more flavour or a carbonate, you know, yeah. a, a, a sparkling water. So, you, so yours is transparent. You can see the the water. And uh, so, what year are we talking about? Like it's twenty twenty three now. When was the first uh, active bottle? So we of? we we launched November twenty seventeen, which at uh, the end of twenty seventeen. So yeah, we six almost six years ago now. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So I'll have to check the date we went the to the Harrods. It probably probably actually is around about. Today, six years ago, it was in Har- Harrods. The yeah, so Harrods. So what we did is we started at the top of the pyramid. Um, so we started in the most exclusive uh, retailer in the world, which is Harrods, and we gave them, gave them, yeah, and 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 well, most premium re- retailer, and we gave them exclusivity, and that was great. We did phenomenal volume actually through Harrods, and especially in that lead up to Christmas, and then from there we got onto Whole Foods, Plant Organic and then to other organic stores, health stores, and then to Holland Barrett. And then we started going to the supermarkets. But we built it, we built it all up from working very closely uh, with those organic stores and premium stores at the beginning. To explain the exclusivity, was, was there a period where you can't go to anyone else? Yeah, exactly. So we offered uh, a one-month exclusivity, um, which, is, which is the minimum that they, 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 they take. And they, surprisingly, it's quite, they're very good to work with. They want to be bleeding edge instead of leading edge. <clears throat> so they, they, they will, if you, if, you got a, if you offer them exclusivity and to big concepts in America, it was, it was a very smooth process, actually, to go into Harrods. Mm, very good. And so that's, that's a November 2017. Uh, you'd raise the money, you have your product, you have your, the, the, all this, you have everything in place. Uh, what, what was the story from there? So, so when, well, um, if you take, take from Harrods to, to now, we're now in 24 countries, we're in 22,000 distribution points, um, and we're selling UK, it's a big market, uh, followed by Europe and, and Ireland, um, and then the kind of continental Europe, and Middle East is, is a big focus for us. So in the last four days, um, I've been in you know, Qatar one day, Saudi and Jeddah the next day, uh, Kuwait yesterday and Dubai here today, uh, but we're <clears throat> across the region. We're, we're in Lulu, we're in Monoprix, Carrefour, Spinneys, Waitrose, Choitrams, um, a lot of the gyms. Um, and how, did, what, from, how did you look towards the Middle East from Europe? Like, was it a strategy or did you see some interest in the product from here? Yeah, so most of the brands are competing in America and America is so big. What happens in California um, but these <clears throat> trends could be quite big in California before they go to the East Coast, and then it takes time for them to go to the rest of te- Texas and the rest of America. And we decided, we tried to, to, to work in a small way in America. It was very, very costly. It's, it's a question of how much we we're prepared to lose. The, the, it's very hard to, to become profitable in the States. And so we wanted to own the market, create the market and own it, and be the hero of the category. Mm. And that's why Middle East, no one was doing alkaline water, ionized water in the same way. So we want to be, when anyone thinks of alkaline water, they think of active. And, and when were you first on sale in the Middle East? We went on sale quite early, actually, 2018. 2018. And uh, how did you find distribution partners here? So Spinney's and Waitrose uh, were our first. So again, every market we go to, we start with the premium retailers. And, and they, were, they were a great partner. 
Um, <clears throat> they made it very simple for a UK company because they've got UK forwarding companies. So we would send their forwarding companies and they would then send, they would then put the labels on and then, then, then manage shipping mm. and consolidate the loads. And how did it go from there then? Uh, you know, was it, was it UAE focused and then did you grow from there? So UAE was the, 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 the focus. The idea was if you make it work in UAE, that's, if you, that, 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 then you've got better chance of making it work across the rest of the Gulf. And there's so many people from, you know, <clears throat> other, other Gulf countries come to, come to UAE. And that was, a, that was a very good strategy for us. We come to Gulf Foods uh, every year, um, and, and we've got a lot of contacts f- from that. And it's really helped us build up, uh, build up presence but from the airport sites. Uh, we're, we're in the airports, from the gyms, we're in the gyms, we're in the uh, Choitrams, Lulu's, the big supermarkets. Um, uh, we're in Noon, Kibson's, uh, Amazon. Oh, really? You know, so yeah, we, we've really built up across online and and, and also in some of the forecourts as well. And what size is the team now, is the, is the company? So yeah, we've got a t- team of 17, and, uh, which is, I think we should be slightly, slightly bigger now. 17? No, 17, 17, yeah. That's, so You're doing a lot for a team of 17. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's... it's, 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 it's 22 it's, countries or, <coughs> yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it does feel like we're always stretched. Mm. And, and next year we'll be making, making a lot more hires. That's very good, um, and yeah, because you know, people. There's a lot of uh, effort, there's a lot of um, history of companies in this region in the drinks category in the space. There's, you know, thinking back, Ojan Industries, which was Rani Refreshments, now part of Coca-Cola. That like Pepsi have been in the region for a very long time, and then you've got a lot of um, local water companies as well in each country. Uh, how how did you find it? Did you find it was competitive? Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, it's. Uh, it- UK is particularly competitive, even more competitive than out here. What we find over here is the big players do dominate the market. So it, it is hard to get in uh, without them. But by coming out to these countries and having face-to-face meetings, a lot of the bigger brands don't do that. Yeah. You know, they, 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 they go through distributors. It's very remote. They, they have meetings over teams. But actually coming, spending time with the retailers, distributors, they, they really do appreciate it. And they're wanting to support small brands. Even when, I, when, I, when, when we go to Gulf Foods, I'm amazed by how few brands exhibit here mm. compared to the ones that, that, that spend a lot of money at Anuga, Seattle, the, or the European trade fairs. But we've got far more, yeah, we, <clears throat> we've had far better results from Gulf Foods than any of the other trade fairs we've ever done. That's great to hear. People would be proud of that. <laughs> yeah, good. yeah, it's good, good to hear a success story. And because I, I have heard that it is challenging for startups in this space here, uh, water category, I th- can think of three who've been on this show and they do, they do find it really difficult to cut through. Um, some of them don't take the approach that you've had, which is using the traditional lines of distribution, the supermarkets, the, some of them try and go direct to consumer and things like that. Have you looked at that as well? We, 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 we do that in the UK, and that's very, that, that's very powerful for us. Amazon has been a bigger focus up to now. We've now overtaken Evian, Fiji, Voss, and Highland Spring on Amazon. So we're the number one selling water on Amazon. Uh, which is which has been really good for us. <clears throat> so they're all your competitors. It's kind of it's no, it's no longer just been the leading. Uh, how do you pronounce it? Akali. 
Uh, alkaline. Alkaline. It's no longer being the leading alkaline. It's you're actually competing across the water category. Yeah. So by being the market leader of alkaline water, we're disrupting the water category with something that has and bring back value, and and creating a water plus category within water. And uh, so, you, you know the. What about the local waters that people would know here, like my Dubai or Masafi? Are, are you at a different level? Are you a different category? They are very cheap. They're very similar to our neighbour waters back that we have in the UK. There's very little loyalty within water. <clears throat> it's enormously competitive, and it's a very, very hard market to, to, to break into. It's, it's the most competitive of any beverage category. Mm. When we started starting this, so many people told me, that we're mad to even consider going into water. And we were trying to do everything, add value back into category, you know, have a nice cap, custom-made bottles, you know, nice big labels, you know, everything about it looks premium, looks different. Hmm. And we wanted to make hydration something people valued, hmm. not something cheap that you throw away at the end and you don't care about, something that has a brand that has loyalty. Mm -hmm. uh, amazing, uh, but so it is. It is a kind of a premium. Is it where Evian is? Is it there? Are you so we're 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 at a premium to Evian. Yeah. The, the, essentially, their 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 water, mineral and spring water comes out of the ground and it gets put in a bottle, and with ours, we have to get purified, add minerals, and then ionized to a very high pH. So it's a it's a it's a, it's a slower process, and it pre creates a very different product. So our biggest competitor in the region is Gaviscon. It's not water. Hmm. You know, that, uh, <clears throat> our biggest, some of our biggest clientele is actually pregnant mothers. Hmm. It's people have, or people have bad problems with reflux. Hmm. Interesting. So, so it goes back to that. So do you expect people to drink two or three litres of active water a day? Yeah, so we've done studies that 30% of, our, about a, th a third of our customers drink two litres of active every day. And it's good for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> your, your, your gut is very, very good for gut health. Excellent. And um, it's active with a, with, with a pH, ACT, TIPH, but at, at the moment in Dubai, there's Dubai Active, and you're here for it. Uh, can you explain the tie-up there, or is that another one that you're involved with? Yeah, so we're, what we're trying to do is create a lifestyle brand, and by having the name PH, Active PH, we could get a worldwide trademark for it and make a very unique looking name. But everything we're trying to do is trying to inspire and energize people to live an active life. And so our <clears throat> slogan is drink active, be active. And so we sponsor in UK pretty much all the mid-range fitness events all over CrossFit, National Fitness Games, Tough Mudder, Spartan. We give away about 300 to 500,000 bottles in sampling every single year. And we're doing the same with Dubai Active, so we're the headline sponsor of Dubai Active, the official hydration partner. And, and, yeah. and is, that a, is that a key strategy, product sampling, marketing? Is that where you, you know, do you invest a, a lot in sort of sponsorship around there? Yeah, if you look at every pound spent into marketing, the best return on investment by far is sampling. Hmm. People trying your product, it looks different, it tastes different, they got it in their hands. And especially if they associate it with a positive experience, for example, like doing a run or a triathlon, they're feeling good at the end of it. And then when they see, that, see it on the shelf, they'll, just, they'll have that positive experience come back subconsciously in their mind. They won't even realize it. Mm. And then think, oh, that was, that was the water that I had from that triathlon. Oh, that tasted nice. That I felt different afterwards. Yeah. And they're more likely to try it. Yeah. 
I guess you, you ha they have to see it in the shelves, though, because otherwise they'll think it's just happening at the event they were at. The yeah, exactly, scheme. exactly. And there's a lot of chicken and egg with this. Mm -hmm. And, and the, you know, yeah, you've got to do the marketing to get the distribution. You can't just do the marketing once you've got the distribution. You've got to get, get in there. Mm. So you've got to do a lot of things at the same time. Yeah, and have you done Dubai Active before? This is the first year? This is the first year. Okay. But we do a lot of events like this in, in other countries. Yeah, very good. And was there anything else that you did uh, that localized active water here? Did you have to change the product? Did you have to change the labeling? Like, is there any learnings that you have from this market that's different to the UK? Um, so we have to put la labels onto onto our bottles, so everything's in, in Arabic. Um, because it's <coughs> BRC grade A, grade A we, 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 we can sell anywhere in the world. We did have a lot of issues with Brexit. Uh, Brexit was very bad for all food and beverage companies and that was one of the reasons we wanted to focus on the Middle East. We didn't have the same issues uh, that we had with Brexit. And uh, what, about, what about the future for this region? Will you still, are you still manufacturing the water in the UK and do you see that changing? Yes, uh, we, to ship out here isn't that expensive and it, it's, it's quite efficient. Okay. Um, so so we'll, we'll produce uh, in UK and, and, and ship out here. But I mean, M Middle East has the highest per capita bottled water consumption in the world. Saudi's number one, I think UAE's number three uh, in the world. So if you can make it work out here, it's brilliant because in UK we have a seasonal curve we have our bottled water, our consumption goes up hugely in the summer, but in the summer over here it's so hot, people go away, tend to come to, uh, you know, cooler countries. And then so from September to May is, is kind of peak time over here. So by making our business bigger in, uh, in the Middle East, it means that we have, we, 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 we reduce the seasonal curves. Makes sense, yeah, that's smart. Uh, yeah, well, obviously it's hot here all year round, so <laughs> people could drink it all year round as well. And uh, in terms of investment, uh, did you raise again after that initial, that 600K, or how has that gone from there? Yeah, well, well, whatever you think you're going to need, you're going to need more, and it's going to cost you more, and it's going to take you longer. Um, that's, that's, that's just what, we've, what we have found. So we, we've raised uh, 5.7 million, um, and we're, we're <clears throat> over, over different, different, different periods. And we're raising a small amount now for a much bigger raise next year. Okay, and do you, do you classify, is, it, is that a Series A that you've just done or do you go like that or no? Well, I suppose the classification of Series A is, is a major investment. So we're looking at a major investment uh, for next year. Hmm. Um, the problem with FMCG brands is to you can either try to be profitable and then you won't get the market share, it's too competitive. Uh, but if you're, trying to, if, you, if you're trying to grow for an exit, it costs a lot of money. It costs a lot of money in marketing, building the team, and your margins are relatively small unless you're selling a huge amount of product. And so that's why it's such a competitive industry. But if you do make it work in FMCG, you can get the really big exits. Some companies have exited for 12 times their revenue. Some publicly traded companies are, are you know, are, 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 you know, at seven, are, <clears throat> are valued at 17 times their revenue yeah, at the amazing. moment. So it's and is that your strategy then? 
to get the market share in the exit? Are you are you gearing in that? Yeah, line? and I mean, at, at the moment, it's a huge amount of fun. You know, so we, we don't want to do it right now, and it's and we're in the building stage, and to create that lifestyle brand. But we do have investors that one day want to see an exit. There's no pressure on it at the moment, but but you're more focused towards growth than you would be to. Uh, staying still and making profits. Absolutely. So we've told all investors that they will never receive a, a dividend, and being very open. You know, this isn't. You know, this is about proving this can work in different geographies, owning the category, and creating a lifestyle brand that's very strong, and getting a very strong consumer group uh, of a, a tribe that we call activists. Mm, very good. And so, talking a little bit more about the region, what's your What's your view of, you know, do you think that the Middle East is a market that will emerge uh, or, you know, uh, or do you think it's always going to be emerging, you know, in, in the sense that, uh, say, you know, a long time ago they used to say the bricks, that the, the original four, uh, I see, yeah, there's five of Africa as well, yeah, right? Yeah. But the original, so there was Brazil and India uh, and China, and India and China kind of emerged, and Brazil, say, didn't, or Russia didn't, per se. Like, do you think, what's your view of this region? Do you think it's going to be like the new Europe? Well, I think that Saudi Arabia is enormously exciting. I think Saudi Arabia is probably the most exciting country in the world right now, with the projects they're doing, the scale of the Neon project, one trillion development, the amount of supermarkets we're speaking to, they're investing enormous amounts into, into Saudi. UAE was, was the central focus for so long, and I wonder if the central focus is actually going to move, shift actually to Saudi. It's a market of 35 million people. Um, so we're, we're now doing a lot, and we're in Panda, Danube, the major supermarkets down there, online as well, in Binderwood. But I think, I think Saudi is going to be the central focus of this region mm. uh, going, going forward. And I think it's, yeah, it's hugely exciting. And how do you plan for that? Like, is it all with your category? You know, will you have an office there, or do you work through distributors? We we we've we've worked very closely with our distributor down there, and they're 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 a real partner. With distributors, we always try to be partners rather than <coughs> have a have a long term relate. You know, rather than having a relationship that's that's more remote. So that's why we go out to these countries and visit them, mm. and you have to invest in the markets as well. Okay, and what, uh, so you, are you profitable now? No, we, 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 we won't be profitable until probably a year before we exit. And what's the total revenue for 2023? Uh, well, we, 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 <coughs> some things we can say, some things we, we, we can't. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good. I mean, re retail sales will be, what, 10 to 30 million this, you know, the, 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 this year, you know, in, 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 in UK. And, and growing from last year? Yeah. And, well, I mean, we were, this month, uh, six years ago, we sold one pallet. Yeah. You know, now we think nothing of sending truckloads, 26 pallets to different customers. Yeah. You know, and they, they go at it all the time. So it's, it's, it's amazing. You, when you're in it, you think it's always moving slowly. Um, but actually, it's, if you remove yourself and you look where you were last year and the year before, it's actually moving very quickly. Mm. And we've had to deal with everything. We've had to deal with COVID lockdowns. Hmm. Putting a, we had to put a whole team of furlough, apart from three of us. So we had to then go back to doing the things we weren't doing before, orders and you know all the things you were delegated away, you had to do again. We had to deal with inflation, shipping prices going up. Uh, to America went up three and a half times. 
We had to deal with um, retail-led inflation, the cost-of-living crisis. You know, so you're getting squeezed in supplier inflation, so your costs, every time you're, you're getting, getting, getting squeezed. And all this time we've been growing. Mm. We've been growing by 80% each year. And geopolitical know. macro challenges and also challenges on interest rates makes it harder to raise funds, and you've, you've raised funds, you've done all that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then, then you've got different models. You know, Aldi and Lidl came in, the discounters became, mm. signed taking the market share from the big, the big supermarkets. So then everyone wants to copy Aldi and Little. Mm. So they said, we've got too many SKUs in our range. Let's reduce the SKUs by 20%. So suddenly they would just take out a huge amount of products. Okay. And then so it became even more competitive to get that space. And that's, that's why it's, it's, it's yeah. We, we, we've had everything thrown at us and we've still been, been growing. Just like your challenges in the sea. Very, very similar, <laughs> very similar, yeah. When's the last one or when's the next one? Uh, so the last one was in January, and that was hard because that was five months after having open heart surgery. So I was diagnosed with having a bicuspid valve. I was very lucky I found it because I mean, if it wasn't for COVID, I definitely would have died. I would never have gone to a doctor. And I only had six months left before it would have been too late. And so I had to go through open heart surgery and, that, and then go right into the center of the heart and actually change the valve. And uh, they were quite shocked that you know I could even walk upstairs at the stage. So heart was double the size, and it takes everything out of you mm. for for 30 hours. It's under anaesthetic. You know, six weeks afterwards, you can't even lift a kettle um, because you're, you're standing separated. And I had what four and a half months to train, to doing a row in the Southern Ocean, your 30, 40 foot waves, uh, hurricanes frequently come through there, knowing how cold it's going to get. And your fitness is right back at square one. And so it was, it was a very, very tough time. Crazy. That's very scary on all sides. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, it's amazing to think that you go through that and then still take on the challenge. But you had to all clear that you could, be, you, could have, you could go ahead with it? Well, I was very, very lucky with the NHS. The surgeon there wanted, I think he wanted to be known as, as doing such a good job that... Um, someone that he treated went on to do a row five months later. 40 minutes so I was quite amazed that he actually gave the green light for this to go ahead. Mm. So it does take, it takes a year to a year and a half to fully recover. How would one know that their heart is too big otherwise? <coughs> when, when I was training, I'd get an overwhelming feeling to lie down. Mm. So you're doing circuits and you get an overwhelming feeling to just stop. I remember doing a quadrathlon. It was a nine hour event. And towards the end, I was drifting in and out of consciousness on the bike. And when I got to the end of the event, I tried to speak. I had the words in my head. I couldn't bring the words out as if I'd... So a very similar feeling to if you dr drunk too much. And was your... You couldn't read it in your heart rate. It wasn't your heart rate. It was well, I had no monitors for heart rate. I didn't know what, what it was. But I remember the next day waking up in the tent, I couldn't move my head to the left. I had a stiff neck. I had a pain all the way down my left arm mm. and in my heart. And, and then went to A&E. They made me wait for, for five hours and then put an ECG on, which doesn't tell you if you've got a, you know, anything wrong with your valve, and said I was fine. Mm. And so the heart is a very, very serious condition, but, mm. and it's the biggest killer of active young people. Mm. Wow. That's Crazy. Uh, lastly, before we finish, just uh, going back a little bit to active in the water, what's, what's the next step? So are you happy with the product? Uh, obviously, you're happy with the product, but do you see any new lines for the business and the future development? Yeah, so 
actually yesterday we have just brought out a new drink called Acti Plus and it's 100% natural, 100% clean energy drink with zero sugar, packed with nootropics, 100% RDA with six vitamins and it's got the same amount of caffeine as Red Bull but it tastes like a fruity drink that you could drink one after another. You would have no idea it's an energy drink and energy as a category is growing globally. Just recently, Red Bull's sales in UK overtook the sales of Coca-Cola for the first time ever. Wow. And, and if you think the, how big Coca-Cola is, 1.9 billion servings of Coca-Cola, so that's either a can or a glass in a restaurant or cafe, are sold every day, 1.9 billion. And, and Red Bull's are overtaking their sales in, in, in UK. So. And the next phase of that is healthy hydration. So we've got the, we've created what we believe is the healthiest water, ionized alkaline water, and we're trying to see the same with the energy drink category and disrupt the energy drink category. Brilliant. It sounds <laughs> like you're having fun while you're doing it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, enjoy Dubai Active and good to see you in Dubai, Jamie. And we follow the bright colours, the purple and the blue and the white with, with spotted on the shelves for sure. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming on. Well done to Jamie and his team. Uh, what struck me was the determination after having open heart surgery and, and still continuing to do those uh, dangerous rows. So if he's able to do that, I'm sure he's able to enter the Middle East market and sell some bottles of water. Uh, good luck to them. And uh, this was a Smashy Business uh, production as part of the Gustus Media Podcast Network. Thank you to Hamid Hesham and Ali uh, Baba this week, uh, producers who put together this show. You'll be able to read about it on Love in Dubai. You'll be able to listen to it on all the Dubai Works uh, podcasts, channels, where you, wherever you listen to your podcasts, and you can stream it. Uh, there's a free trial, 30-day free trial on Smashy.tv. It's where we broadcast all the local UAE sports and futsal, volleyball, basketball, and handball. I think there's four games taking place today, uh, Friday, and many over the weekend, so do check that one out as well. We'll be back next week with another episode, uh, same time, same place, 11 o'clock on Fridays on the channel, and then we go out in the afternoons where you can listen to this over the weekend. Enjoy, and, have, and speak to you next week.